You are Locked On the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome to your favorite day of the week. This is Locked On NBA, Friday edition. I'm Anthony Irwin. I'm joined by Adam Morris. Adam, you went to Mexico and somehow are not tan. Like you're the only, I've, I've never seen that before. I don't think you're seeing me correctly. I'm like incredibly tan. <laughs> you're just, you're seeing me in poor lighting or something. I hope somebody takes that completely out of context. I am incredibly <laughs> tan. <laughs> I have the best tan. No, I'm serious because you're a fellow Latino uh-huh. and like, or at least mix, and I am as well. And uh-huh. from roughly October to March, I am white, and roughly from <laughs> March to October, I'm very dark. <laughs> uh, maybe maybe it's the lighting. Anywho, enough about Adam's tan. We are going to <laughs> we are, we're going to talk about in today's show we're going to get to Houston and Golden State and and inevitability in in the playoffs and whether or not that factors into how watchable they are. And then LeBron his grasp on the East is loosening to the point where there's a chance next season that he might be the team that he plays for is irrelevant in title contention. And that's insane that arguably the best player of all time might find himself into that situation. So that'll be the C block. Um, and then, as always, we will send you guys off into the weekend with the funniest thing to this point. As always, make sure you guys are following the show on Megaphone slash Panoply, iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, Today's Fast Break, Spotify, Alexa, all those places. Let's get to it, though. I'll start here by saying this. Houston just beat the brakes off of Golden State in Game 2 in Houston. And I was... Watching there, they were up by 20-ish points with like five or six minutes to go. And I was still finding myself like, is this over? You're crazy. (laughs) (laughs) To me, I thought halfway through the third, I thought it was over. But here's what I saw that was different than what you saw. And this is why I think you're crazy. What I saw was Houston being absolutely downright disrespectful in that fourth quarter and i loved every second of it i was like screaming at my tv when they would grab an offensive rebound and rather than pull it out and waste 24 seconds they would just attack and try to throw a lob or step back three (laughs) i was all for i thought i thought houston had one of the more disrespectful games i could have i could have imagined in that moment and i it's beautiful i say that with in a positive way i think that's for a purpose like I think right. if you I think if you start playing conservatively, that's how that that twenty point lead shrinks down to like twelve or so, and <laughs> and sphincters start tightening a little bit, and and what, I think I there's get, a I think there was a point very early in that, like the first minute of the fourth quarter, where I felt like Golden State kind of threw in the towel. You can always see when they have. Yeah. You know, another punch left. And so that's why for me, I thought there was a moment they were like, all right, we're not going to do anything stupid in this game because we're down 20. Does that game change however you feel about the series? Like, is there because I like right now, the conversation heading into the series was Golden State's going to beat them. It's just a matter of how and when and all these things. And I, I guess, you know, it's not very many playoff blowouts that you go through and you walk away from thinking it. Well, yeah, Golden State still has them right where they want them. Is there anything that Houston could do to change your mind on that? Well, I, I, I've always thought that this series was cl- at least closer than people thought. You know, I, I thought it would be a six-game series, and I still think it's going to be a six-game series. This Houston is absolutely capable of embarrassing anybody, including the Golden State Warriors. I just think the Warriors, their ceiling is higher, and, and the, the experience factor, and they're just a better team all around. Last night, you get P.J. Tucker go five for six from the three-point line. You got Eric Gordon go six for nine. Those two things probably won't happen nice. very consistently. <laughs> but if you look at James Harden, three of 15, there's still, you know, I don't think he's had a James Harden game just yet. So I do think um, 
I, I think the 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 Rockets are a worthy challenger to the Warriors and will make him work for it. And then on top of that, Steph Curry just does not look like himself. I know he, he's sick of all of these questions and he's always going to get these questions. <laughs> but the the fact of the matter is, and let, if Steph Curry just doesn't have a single Steph Curry game, if he just never has one of those three-point shooting games, then yeah, this series becomes much, much closer. I think we're all expecting that Curry breakout game at some point. But if it never comes, then sure, Houston's got a great chance. Yeah, I, th- I think I agree with you to the, for the most part about Houston having a chance. And of the teams that Golden State has played to this point, even more so than the, the OKC team that they were down 3-1-2 before they were down or they were up 3-1 and, and blew that against the Cavs, I think this Houston team is, has the best chance of any team that they've, they've faced to this point on this run. And yet there's still this sense of inevitable, uh, inevitability to everything. And I'll tease this. We're going to get to this here in a second. When we come back, we're going to talk about whether or not that changes or, or affects or hurts the, the enjoyment that comes out of watching these playoffs thus far. So, Adam, does the inevitability actually hurt or... Like to me, it doesn't matter. Like the moments, the moments throughout the series or throughout these playoffs have been fun. Even knowing that there's a a, a an extremely high likelihood that Golden State's going to win this thing. When you go to Vegas and you sit down at the craps table, you understand that the house has better odds, right? Yep. You still have a great time. You get your free drink. You you know you get on a hot streak. Whatever. You distract yourself for long enough to kind of forget that you're just throwing money away. Yeah. Life is also inevitable. All of human life throughout history has faced the same exact conclusion, and yet we still have managed to enjoy ourselves while we're here. I think basketball, first of all, I think it's much less um, fatalistic, I guess, than, than, than a lot of people think. Everybody thought the Warriors were going to win in 2016. Nobody thought they were in 2015. Like There are actually surprises along the way. I think one of the things that happens in basketball – is after the fact we feel like these things were more inevitable than they actually were. Like, oh, of course such and such team was going to win this year. Of course. You forget all the different things that happened along the way. So while there'll never be the parody of, say, a March Madness or the NFL or something like that, I think that there's still so many other interesting things that happen. And also there's still enough doubt to make things interesting. Nobody had, There weren't a lot of people picking Boston nope. like 72 hours ago. Nope. Well, they not even a, even before that, right? Like nobody had Boston beating Philly. Yeah. <laughs> if you even go back past that, curiously enough, I saw a lot of the, you know, Brad Stevens never gets out. You know, he always gets upset in the playoffs, but this year he gets a pass. And if Milwaukee beats him, it's okay. I saw a lot of like excuse making yeah. before the fact but that was based on the assumption that this team wasn't actually going anywhere. Well, here they are up to, you know, two games away from the finals. Yeah, I think for me, I completely I love the analogy of of gambling. One, because I love craps and, and free drinks in Vegas. <laughs> Shouts to July 6th. Uh, but 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 I Summer also, League. <laughs> but but like I just just imagine how boring everything would be if we if we let the outcome to that or the likely outcome to that 
judge how you feel about the experience along the way. Like right now, the biggest thing in all of movies are superheroes. We know how the vast majority of those turn out. (laughs) And yet, and yet time after time, after time, after time, millions of people are going and showing up to these, these theaters. And I held after we're done recording this, I'm going to go watch Deadpool too. He is immortal. I'm going to get a kick out of watching him do fun stuff on that screen. And, and, and I think, you know, what it comes down to is, what what do you want to get out of this? And and at the end of the day, in my opinion, this is the best generation of basketball we've seen so far. And and that that just continues to come through the screen here. Uh, one one. I, I think basketball also lends itself to interesting conversations and narratives and, and and different things more so than other sports. We like to witness greatness. So even when you have a dominant team, you like to see the best possible version of that, even if they're just beating up on the nineties jazz, right? Like you still want to see the greatness come out. And the other, and and to my earlier point about, about basketball as opposed to other sports, you know, it's a team sport, but one player has such a large influence so that it, it, it causes almost every conversation about the game to be this gray area between, is it because of the player? Is it because of the team? Like how much credit does one guy get over the other? And to me, those make for very, when done properly, they make for very interesting conversations and thought experiments that that really give a lot of stuff to talk about beyond just who wins and who loses. I want to ask you this because the analysis of of this series, especially, has been it's I I, I said the other day on Twitter that it's actively hurt my my experience of watching this series that this the you put it fatalist and and all these things that it's it's kind of I find myself just turning off analysis of this because. I think people are bored of giving the same take. And I guess my question to you is, does boredom – we know boredom plays a role in analysis of sports. That's why Carl Malone won an MVP. But <laughs> does – but does – you know, would you say that that for you personally, does giving the same take over and over and over again, does that get old? Or do you just want to continue to see this greatness, as you put it, show itself time in, time out? One of my favorite phrases about the game of basketball when I was from a coach as I was growing up was that basketball is a game of eternal recurrences, which is there's only so many things that can happen in a basketball game and they happen over and over again just in different order. And mm-hmm. I think that's and, – and so for me, you're right that there's a lot of annoying narratives that keep popping up over and over again. But for me, I, I, I'm insulated from most of those because I find interesting things to talk about. Even though there's a lot of this story's already been told, it's being told in a different way, and there's interesting angles to take on it. So for me, you're right that some people do come up with the boredom angle, and I think actually more than boredom, I think people just with this 24 action, uh, t- you know, you can react to, to everything in real time. I mm-hmm. think there's just a, a a propensity to running to the extremes after one game. Golden State wins by 13. Oh, they're going to sweep the series. It's over. Basketball and ruined. I think, <laughs> and I don't think that comes from board. And I think that more just comes from we we maybe lost a bit of an appreciation for how much these things take to digest. This is across politics, sports, whatever. A lot of a lot of times, the quick answer isn't the the right answer. It's there's a lot more to digest than what what happens. You know, the the first few minutes after you witness a game. Yeah, I I completely agree there. And then the other thing too is with with the number of voices, you want to be the person who says the thing the loudest, right? And, or, or even the first, right? There's a lot yeah. of this like at the draft. This is why everybody gives draft grades the night of the draft because it's like, <laughs> oh, draft night. I told you that. I said A plus for so and so and. 
and, and it's like, you know, what's the value of that? Sit and chew on it for a week or two and then and then provide real analysis. Right, right. And, and you know, we'll see, we'll see how this all plays out. I think personally I've had a blast watching these playoffs. They've been so much fun. And, and we're going to like, – Well, I want to say this one thing about, about the playoffs. The playoffs are always the experiment room for the future of basketball. This is where the league really, you know, a lot of things happen in a playoffs that next year every team kind of steals from. And I think watching this, just looking at some of the young versatility and quickness oh, and athleticism and execution of the Boston Celtics, your favorite team, mm. I think you really you, you really start to see like, you know, I, I think a lot of people are, are surprised by what Boston has done but will be less surprised going forward because they're creating sort of a blueprint for what, what teams are going to try to replicate, in my opinion. We have two minutes here before we move on, and I do have. This is an honest question that I've been, I've I've been tearing my hair out trying to figure out. Young players are doing stuff in the playoffs that they haven't done before. Is that a symbol? Is that a is that a sign of the things to come, or does that mean that, you know, maybe things should have been re rethought previously? That the this the idea that young players can't do that, or are these guys just that far advanced? I think what it is is we're, we're in a period of, of rapid evolution of the game right now. And I know guys like Robert Covington, for example, 6'8", 6'9", can shoot the three and guard multiple positions. You think of that and think, man, that's a rare skill. When's that? You know, when are you going to get that? I actually think it'll be less rare in five, six, seven years because the influx of players that are 14, 15 right now are trying to become that type of player. Mm -hmm. They're trying to become a versatile wing. So when you have uh, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and some of the some of these other young guys, they are being they were built and designed for the the NBA of 2018, where some of the 30 year olds, they were built and designed for the NBA of 2008. And that's very, very different. I, I like that answer. All right, we're going to move on, and when we come back, we are going to talk about something that I, I honestly didn't think I would say, and and this this might be this Adam and I might hot be take falling. alert. Yeah, no, I, you hey, don't throw me into the ring here. <laughs> you posed the questions, I provided my own answer. We'll come back in hot a second. take alert. <laughs> Fire off the hot take cannons. We're gonna. We're <laughs> next season. It's possible that LeBron James might be irrelevant. Look at you hedging this. You should before on show prep when we were preparing for this. There was no might be, maybe it's possible. There was some. Uh, he was very assertive in this opinion. <laughs> well, because there's a. If there's one way to look stupid in the NBA, it's to question <laughs> LeBron freaking <laughs> James. It's a good point. <laughs> but but. It's looking like so Boston is doing what they're doing right now without Kyrie Irving, without Gordon Hayward, or the pieces that those guys might bring back. Philadelphia did the stuff that they did this year with Ben Simmons unable to shoot jumpers and, and Joel Embiid uh, showing his youth down the stretch of that series. Uh, in the West, you still have the Golden State Warriors, and next season the Houston Rockets are still going to be there. And I'm looking at the Cavs or some of the, the options that LeBron might look at and I think there are there are multiple scenarios next season, not just one weird one, not some outlier, but there are multiple scenarios in which LeBron James doesn't factor in to title contention next year, whether it's in the East or in the West. And that's insane. I can't believe well, that's a possibility. Well, Brian Windhorst sort of alluded to this, or he has for the last couple of weeks, just talking about 
you know, there might not be a right landing spot for LeBron. Cleveland might win out by default in free agency for LeBron just because where else can he go that that makes sense for his legacy, but also where he can contend. And and I and I so I think it's actually a legitimate question. As much as I'm clowning you about, mm-hmm. about it, it is a legitimate question because I think LeBron automatically makes your team a top five, six, seven team. Mm-hmm. But he also I, I I don't know that there that there's a realistic situation out there in which he can retool a team that's not already in the top four. If we include Philadelphia, Boston. Houston and, and Golden State, not one of those four teams. I don't know if there's a realistic spot landing spot out there for him that you say, oh, yeah, he's definitely going to win the West or he's definitely going to win the East with these these teams. And, and honestly, it might be more realistic to say he's going to be an underdog against those teams almost regardless of where he goes. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Split. Well, is he would he be such an underdog, though, that that you're talking about irrelevance, right? Like. That's <laughs> that's 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 a scenario here that if he if he stays in Cleveland, I think he's irre- the, the the Cavaliers are irrelevant next year. In, well, in this terms Warriors of, team in is con- this Warriors team is so fantastic. Last year they had Kyrie Irving, they had Kevin Love, they had all these pieces, and they got one game. Mm-hmm. And I think most people thought that was a valiant effort from a <laughs> you know a good good the very very good of all team. Sweeps. <laughs> exactly. So um, in, in a certain sense, I, I kind of see what you're getting at, and I think. The rise of some of these just very versatile teams is interesting. The real question to me is, is LeBron capable, willing, and is it necessary for him to change his game? Because we're seeing right now one of the greatest spread pick-and-roll teams you can possibly assemble in Houston. And I'm not sure if that's good enough to, to beat the Warriors. So does does this, there have to be a stylistic shift can LeBron have the ball in his hands for two thirds of every single possession, or is he going to have to like take a little bit more of a, um, a, a spread out the 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 ball handling duties a little bit more and kind of phase into this new part of his career? That's the one that I really don't know have an answer to. I don't know that he would be capable or willing of doing that at this phase. Fifteen years in the NBA with success playing one style, I think it's hard to to, to change that. But also, you know, I, I'm also just not sure if it's possible to build a team. What does a LeBron spread pick and roll team look like right now that beats the Warriors? It, it would really take an insane collection of talent, I think. Wouldn't isn't the the answer to this instead of it being, you know, LeBron has the ball at all times? Don't you just need somebody who ignites the pick and roll with him as the screener? Like, isn't that kind of the the start of the but solution be, here? But that's a stylistic change, right? Like he he has been reluctant to play that way, and that's what I mean by you know, is he really going to change up his game at this point in his career? Is he capable of doing that mentally and physically and all that stuff? And I don't know. I and just as this thought experiment, kind of the point I'm getting at. Though, if you replaced uh, Chris Paul with LeBron James, then I think the Houston Rockets would beat the the, the Warriors. Yeah, then, I agree. then you're then then you're good. But again, we're talking about one of the greatest collections of spread. I mean, all the pieces that Daryl Morey has put around James Harden and Chris Paul are perfect for spread pick and roll. That's the that's the level it would take to get at, in in my opinion, to beat this Warriors team playing that style. I want to be there in the room when LeBron goes to Chris Paul and says, "Hey." My best chance at winning a title next year is to replace you on the Houston Rockets. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow, I don't think that goes over very well in the Chris Paul house. The other thing, too, and and here's where the, this is the last point I want to make on this, because there are reports that, that are, are kind of hinting at that, right? That LeBron has said that he, as he moves further deeper into his career, 
that he wants to move off of the ball. And I kind of laughed at that initially, but the points you're making really make it seem as if he knows what he's talking about if he's the one leaking that report out there. LeBron as the screener and a James Harden pick and roll. I mean, come on. That, yeah. <laughs> that would be that would be really there was a year this was like 2015 or 16 where according to synergy lebron had like 10 possessions as the screener in pick and roll as a year and i think he scored on all 10 of them yep. i mean that's how good he can be in that role he just has been so reluctant and i get why that's a hard job you have to make contact on screens and you have to jump high in the air and risk rolling an ankle and all that stuff it, it's tough to do yep all right, we're going to send everybody off into the weekend. Those are fun conversations. If you guys have thoughts, make sure you at Adam Morris, Adam underscore Morris. Uh, he loves to hear what you have to say, especially on Twitter. He's always on there. <laughs> Erroneous. <laughs> uh, we're going to send everybody off into the weekend, though, with the funniest moments between our last show, which was two weeks ago and now. Uh, Adam, I'll let you start. The funniest development uh, of the last two weeks are what? Well, I got to give it to my team, the Toronto Raptors, for <laughs> wishing Dwayne Casey uh, or congratulating him on coaching. You know, my favorite part. So so Dwayne Casey gets nominated for coach of the year in Toronto, who had just fired him, mm -hmm. put out, congrats, coach. <laughs> <laughs> and my favorite part of this, because I know how, how these team, uh, did, you know, uh, social media teams work. There was a meeting. There was a meeting and everybody had to give input about whether or not to send out a, a, a congratulatory <laughs> tweet. And I just I want to know the. I know there was a guy in there that was like, you Guys. know, maybe it was his first day that was like, you know, this is really dumb. <laughs> but he's probably too nervous to really speak yeah. up and say anything. Yeah. Um, some like some like 23 year old kid. Who's just like just freshly in the room, <laughs> shocked to be there. He's like, guys, this is not going to go over well. Like maybe we try to sneak a like at like one in the morning. You right. Know? <laughs> <laughs> I I so before the show, we I asked Adam what his funniest moment was going to be, and he said Toronto Raptors, and I just laughed at the name. <laughs> like, <laughs> it could have been anything. Oh, your was... Lakers elitism is just oh, it's so disgusting. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, my my favorite moment between uh, now or now and the last time Adam and I spoke uh, right now, the big thing on Twitter is this Yanni or Laurel thing. Uh, by the way, Adam, are you team Yanni or Laurel? Have you heard the thing? I've heard it in two different places and I've heard each one, which is really weird to me. My wife showed me like she is able to hear both. I only hear I can Laurel. I hear both. That's what my point is. I can hear yeah. both. It's very bizarre. I can't hear both. And and Jen thinks I'm close minded because I, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> oh <my. laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> but, but uh i thought so the the guys on on tnt chuck and the gang were all asked uh what they heard and chuck, chuck answered by saying donut and like I, <laughs> I i i agree with chuck like i thought i heard laurel i thought i heard laurel but but you know crisp some krispy kreme glazed donuts sound really good right now so that was, there you uh, go <laughs> that was uh, what I heard. All right, that'll do it for this episode of the Locked on NBA podcast, Friday edition. This was a little shorter because we have a couple days off uh, between the end of the last game and then, you know, getting ready for Saturday. Anything crazy you think can happen over the weekend? Like, is there anything that would happen over the weekend that would shock you? I think Boston can sweep the the Cavs, and that would be very shocking. I think I, – I don't think it'll happen, but, I mean, that would be a big uh, – that would be a big um, – That'd be a big deal for LeBron, I think, not just for his offseason, but a sweep sends away a little bit of, of, of embarrassment, especially at such a young team. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, 
I think that's maybe what's best for the league, really, is if LeBron gets <laughs> if LeBron gets swept because that sends this offseason into complete and utter turmoil. Well, I'll tell you what, I do feel a little bit of Lakers-Dallas 2011 with this Cavs team. And for me, that 2011 season was Kobe's last relevant season. I mean, he got hurt the next year. or, or you know, Something things, close things, to that, yeah. Yeah, things – but that one where it was like, oh, wow, they're not – they got swept and they're not even cl- – not that they're not competitive anymore. They're not even close. Not even and, close. And it really was the end. That was the end of relevant, uh, relevance for the triangle offense. Like that was that was it. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. I still don't know if JJ Barea has landed uh, since then. All right. Um, I thing that would shock me. It would shock me if if Houston went up and won a, a road game in in Golden State. That would really surprise me. We'll see. Could happen. It would surprise me not too much. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, that's that's how we'll leave you guys. Again, if you guys have any questions or comments, hit us on Twitter. I'm at, the, at Anthony Irwin LA. Adam is at Adam underscore Morris. Uh, follow our shows. Adam, show, Adam hosts Locked On Nuggets. Uh, and they had yet another disappointing lottery. The Lakers were not involved in the lottery because Steve Nash is, is just a legend. We'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. Uh,